But if you want to provide value to the audience, the next keynote has to drive home a new innovative idea and teach them something that they came there to learn. Welcome to the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs podcast, where we focus on how to find your voice, develop your message so that you can get consistently paid speaking gigs that generate income. Not only are you going to learn how to find your voice, but you're going to hear from professionals in the industry who are making a powerful impact, sharing their story and transforming lives. My name is Charles Clark. I'm an international speaker and ex-professional athlete. And I believe that everyone has a story to tell, but not too many people are telling it. And that's why I created this podcast, because I'm passionate about helping people break the silence, even if their voice shakes. And today's guest is going to give you the insight on how you can do just that. But before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share with my tribe, those of you who've been looking to find your voice, develop your message, and get consistently paid speaking gigs, I'm putting on a free training that's going to share with you how to land paid speaking gigs. I want you to sign up for this free training at thecharlesclark.com forward slash training. And in this training, here's what you're going to learn. You're going to learn how to secure consistently booked gigs using my speaker pipeline framework, the six core strategies to build a successful speaking career, how to establish a voice of influence, and how I went from speaking for free to making six figures without hiring a speakers bureau or agency. Head to thecharlesclark.com forward slash training to get this free training on how to land paid speaking gigs. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, what's up, y'all? This is the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs podcast, and I'm getting ready to bring on a special guest, Andrew Davis. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks so much for having me, Charles. I'm psyched. Yeah, yeah. So you know, before we get started, just let the Thrive Tribe know who is Andrew Davis. Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm today. I'm a professional speaker and author. That's all I do. Um, you know, but in the old times, <laughs> I used to travel. Uh, you know, around the world speaking. Right. Did about 50, 50 events a year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now I'm now I'm doing lots of virtual events. So uh, I don't know, probably seventy or eighty last year, and. We'll do about the same this year, um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, audiences range from you know, I don't know, twenty people to uh, you know, five thousand, six thousand people. So it's been it's been really really fun. Uh, but before that, I, I was I worked in television. I worked for the Muppets uh, in New York. I wrote for the Today Show. Uh, I started my own marketing agency in two thousand and one with a journalist friend of mine, and we sold that in twenty twelve. And that's when I really kind of transitioned into you know, speaking as a full-time, uh, as a full-time business. Yeah. And, uh, and 2013 was a rough year. I learned a ton in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much, so much, uh, craziness I, I see in that story. Like you work for the Muppets. Like, how was that experience for you? First of all, well, it was, I mean, it was my dream job. I actually, as a kid, I always wanted to work for the Jim Henson company. And I'm one of those people that like, if you set a goal, you, you know, like just, you don't stop until you get there and you kind of make your own luck. So, yeah. uh, I, for three years straight, I wrote a handwritten letter and FedExed it every single day wow. to the, uh, the executive in charge of pr- production, a guy named, uh, Peter. And, um, he, he finally said, look, stop sending the letters. And I said, I'll stop sending the letters. If you just give me a half hour of your time. So I drove down from Boston, which is where I was living at the time, and 
at the end of an hour and a half meeting, he offered me a job if I could start in a week. So I quit my job uh, in Boston and wow. moved to New York. And, and it was, I mean, it was a really interesting time for the Jim Henson company. To be totally honest, I didn't love the job. It ended up not being my dream job, which is always a little deflating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, all the letters you sent out to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a lot of a lot of work, and you know, I learned a ton. That was the. I mean, I, I think that's the best thing I could get from that experience. I, I, maybe not because I also met my wife there. So, the, the, you know, it was a really great opportunity. Uh, you know, to to kind of be in the television and film business and and work in children's television, which is what I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, but I wouldn't do it again, um, even though I learned a ton. <laughs> right. So you know, I, I'm curious. How did you meet your wife? Well, we both, I was in charge of uh, building the, uh, well, not building the puppets. I was in charge of the, the, the workshop where they built the puppets. So my job was to make sure, you know, Miss Piggy was on set at the right time and Grover <laughs> had the right costume on. And she was in charge of all the talent, the, the, you know, the actual Muppeteers that do the, the, that stuff. So she, um, you know, it was ba basically, we had to coordinate a lot and um, she ended up uh, getting me, asking me to take I was I basically had to be a Muppet Wrangler so she she told me hey we need uh we need Elmo down on set at Sony Studios tonight sorry for the last minute and I couldn't find anyone to do it so I just said yeah. oh, I'll do it so I got it down there and it turned out it was with Tony Bennett and the Backstreet Boys uh for a VH1 special called Storytellers do you remember that show Charles you may be you may be too young to remember that yeah I don't, I don't know if I, I know anything about that one just it's all right it's all right <laughs> some people listening will remember that show uh and I was it was pretty awesome and so I was a huge Tony Bennett fan at the time so I told her I you know this was awesome let me take you out for dinner and we went out for dinner and after that we you know he said yes. 20 years later yeah we're married <laughs> so it was it was awesome that's incredible man you know sometimes the things that you that you thought was going to be the best thing end up being something else that allowed you to see like this was the moment that i was looking for that's that's so true so tell me about your story like uh i'm curious to know about the you know before you hit the stage what what's your story behind you you andrew davis the the one who's on the stage you know speaking <laughs> in front of thousands of people each year tens of thousands of people each year what's your story my i mean my story is uh is kind of just i, I mean i i kind of consider it a, a, a quest like an adventure you know because every time i thought i had a really clear goal and a vision for what the future was going to look like uh it didn't turn out the way i uh i had planned and just like any good COVID. adventure movie yeah you know it's you kind of you kind of have to like adjust along the way yeah um sure. but what i realized pretty quickly was the prior experience that i had even though it wasn't what i expected it to be ended up being unbelievably valuable and and taught me something or empowered me to do something i never knew i could do before and and i would end up using those skills later on in life like for example when i was a kid i was really into acting I was a childhood actor and I did like, you know, television commercials and theater and yeah. radio. And when I was really young, I thought I want to be a movie star. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I learned a lot. I took a lot of acting classes and uh, I took, you know, I took improv classes. I was in my improv troupe in, in college. I thought that would be awesome. And, uh, you know, 
I didn't become an actor, but you know, 20 years later, after graduating from college and not doing improv for years, you know, I found myself being invited to speak at events and using all those skills I learned as a kid on how to act or wow. be in front of an audience. And you know, so so I, I kind of I feel like all the little adventures right. um, yeah. and the twists and turns are, are the magic. That's what really makes yeah. it exciting for me. Yeah, I, I feel you on that because it's like those different callings that's on your life. You know, sometimes you might be doing nonprofit work and then that nonprofit work end up being something that you turn into videography and videography returns something that you actually learn how to bring yourself. And then after all of that, it's like, well, I can put all of these pieces together to do what I'm about to do next. And exactly. And, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So I, I think. The yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, my, all my experience in television, which was, which was great. And I learned a ton in television. You know, I didn't really think I'd ever use when I got into the marketing world. You know, I, I knew I was leveraging my ability to tell stories when I worked as a marketing guy, um, and, you know, was doing client work, but I didn't really think about the, you know, the, the stuff like the production equipment and all that. I, I was like, you know, I'm never going to use that again. But obviously when all the events went to virtual events, I was like, well, wait a second. You know, I've been I've been shooting a YouTube series for two years, and I've got all this stuff. Why don't I just set it up and and use everything I've learned in television to create like a, a virtual television show for you know virtual events instead of just kind of a Zoom call yeah. uh, and with some slides. So right. it's been really really fun to see that old learning applied in a new way. Wow. Yeah. So true. So true. So you work with the Muppets from MTV. When did you realize? that that was a story that was worth sharing because i feel like well <laughs> that, you know listening to this podcast they they might be new to speaking and when was the opportunity for them to like fully step into it and embrace this next season of like speaking and impacting people's lives yeah. i think we all are kind of unsure of when is when is it right when is the right time when did you realize that your story was yeah well, look, the right time is whenever you're, you've got something worth sharing. Um, but, but, you know, for me, I don't actually share my story on stage. To be honest, I don't think many people are interested in my story. Uh, you know, uh, my, like, like when I look at the, 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 the landscape of speakers out there, and when I talk to event organizers, there are basically four categories of speakers they are looking for that keynote slot, right? There's actors and astronauts and athletes, right? And Charles, you probably fit into that, right? Yeah. That's like their top tier. They want, you know, they, they want Charles Barkley or Magic Johnson or Serena Williams to headline the conference because, you know, or, or an astronaut. That's, that's who they want because the big name will draw in a lot of people. Well, I'm none of those things. So, I, you know, I cross that off the list. Like next, next on the list, you have what I call the A-list a alternates, right? You're not as famous as those people. So generally, you can think of those people as you don't know their name when you recognize it, but the next four to six words after their name, that's that you're like, oh, the chief innovation officer for yeah. Tesla. Like that's cool, right? That's an A-list alternate, and you want to hear from that person. You, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna show up to that session. Well, I'm not that either. I mean, no one cares that I've worked for the Muppets. I mean, thousands of other people have, and it's not that exciting uh, from a messaging standpoint. So it's not gonna draw in the crowds either. The, the third one is, the, is what, what, what we call the industry icons, right? Like those are the people that, you know, like if you're speaking to the restaurant industry, 
they're they're just as famous in the restaurant industry as as you know Michael Jordan or whatever <laughs> because you know they they found a Chick Fil A like that's a big deal in yeah. that well that's not me either so I, I the, <laughs> the fourth <are> <laughs> category where where am I right like there's no place for me the fourth category is what we call the surprise and delight speaker mm-hmm. and that's the person that they put on the agenda because they've seen them speak before and they know they deliver outstanding outsized value and they usually position them right after one of those a-list you know speakers so it, like you know it's it's i was just uh, spoken at an event before all this happened where it was magic johnson and then me right well everybody comes to see magic johnson and he provides so much fun and value and insight but it's really about magic johnson and you get to hear his stories and it's unbelievable it's awesome yeah. experience but if you want to provide value to the audience the next keynote has to drive home a new innovative idea yeah. and teach them something that they came there to learn so for me i'm i fit squarely into the surprise and delight speaker and and uh, for, that means I don't actually share my story on stage unless it's in a Q&A and people ask me questions like, what was it like to work at the Muppets? Yeah. But usually it's really about how can I challenge the audience to, to think about some conventional wisdom in a brand new way. Mm, yeah. yeah I, I think that was a long it, answer. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally cool. I, I think you hit on something that, that will surprise a lot of people who are looking to speak. And that is you don't have to be the absolute best. You don't have to be the top shelf to make a to make a business for yourself to to build a successful speaking business. So whether you are that mother who's taking care of kids and you care about anti-bullying, well, there's a lane for you for that. Or whether you are absolutely that that, that world class athlete, there's a lane for you to that. But I, I think the best thing that you can do is hone what you truly care about. Because when you do that, that's authenticity, right? That's when you can step into that room and people resonate with you. They know what you're talking about. They 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 understand your message and you're providing value. So yeah, thanks for like breaking that down. Like I I really like <laughs> that you broke that down. Um, so so kind of talk about what what's your secret to keeping the audience engaged? You know, we we talked about you know uh, there there's so many different layers of the different types of speakers. So you don't fit into that yeah. top tier, but no, you, you fit into a tier. <laughs> so how do you keep them engaged when you're, when you're coming from the fourth category? Yeah. Well, you, number one, you have to have a high entertainment factor. All right. Like, and, and entertainment is, that doesn't mean it has to be funny and jokes. So like, you just have to be able to engage the audience in an entertaining way. And that means you have to create an experience. So those are the two big ones, right? Yeah. It's gotta be entertaining. It's gotta be an experience. And that, and like, if you break that down, that means that all the, uh, you know, I think if you're going to turn this into a career, um, and really get more referrals every time you speak, you've got to have a signature bit. So for me, yeah. every one of the speeches I've crafted has a signature bit. It's like a five to seven minute segment. That is, is the, it's what people talk about. It's what they remember. So mm-hmm. one, of, one, of the, one of the first speeches I ever gave um, and started getting paid to give was all about you know, the, the changes in the media landscape. And my signature bit is often referred to as the, the meatloaf journey. And it's, 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 it, you know, it's not just there for fun. There's a deep message in the meatloaf journey. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you can, you can Google meatloaf and Andrew Davis and you'll find it. There's lots of videos about it. Um, but, you know, 20, well, let's see, almost 10 years later, I still get people calling and saying, hey, we want to hire you to speak. You know, I saw you do that meatloaf thing in 2013 and we want to have you back. You know, uh, can you do meatloaf again? It, it's kind of becomes your, chief. you know. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you got to have a signature bit, um, and you've got to focus on the the you know the the performance of it because there are plenty of people that will get up and speak, um, but there aren't. If you don't have a high entertainment factor, you're kind of stuck. And there's one other thing I should tell you. There's also like I have a formula for this. It's called, <laughs> we call it the fee factor: fame, entertainment, and expertise. All right. Mm -hmm. So you you've got to be famous. At some level, we can dive into that if you want to talk about like how famous you need to be. But the entertainment and the expertise are the other key pieces. So you got to have a signature bit. It's got to be performed well. And on the expertise side, you've got to have a visionary idea. It, for me, Charles, I don't believe it's it's good enough to just get up there and talk about you know how bullying is bad or you know like that's not enough you've got to have a new way to help people think about and then mm -hmm. challenge their exactly and solve the problem i think you need to have a hypothesis on how they can change their behavior so that you can change the world so yeah and that's a that's a common theme that you know a lot of the speakers we bring on to the podcast we talk about people just don't want to hear the story right they they want the transformation how can this apply yeah. to life what what value is this going to bring for me and how we merge that together that's the thing that's going to allow us to get booked again and again yeah. and again so yeah yeah i think yeah, go ahead oh no i was just going to say i think it's really you have to be careful about about sharing your anecdotal expertise right like unless you're magic johnson it's hard to get an audience of five thousand people to care about you unless you're serena williams they're not they're not waiting for your first words out of your mouth right they're skeptical from the moment you get on the stage yeah and so yeah, for so for most of us for most of us yeah you, you know I, I challenge you to 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 as a speaker think about even telling other people's stories first and it'll it'll help you feel better about where you're going and and you'll be surprised at how well those stories resonate and really do help teach the lesson you're the vessel the vehicle you're like the investigator looking for new answers to an old problem and you'll earn a ton of trust with the audience mm. um and, and i think that that goes a long way yeah so so what would you say you know because i know you are marketing expert here and, and you know you, you talk a lot about those things what would you say is the difference between marketing yourself and marketing your speech yeah um look it, it, here's the deal the speech is the product right at the end of the day and you don't yeah you don't get keynotes you earn them so you know i think if most speakers spent the same amount of time if not more if they traded the time they're spending trying to build their their personal brand and their profile in the digital world and their marketing assets if they if they took half of that time and said you know what i'm going to stop doing half of this and instead i'm going to invest the other that half of that time into the speech itself i'm going to make the speech better i'm going to look at the old videos of me speaking i'm going to record every one of my virtual Paul, events on that part right there because oh. let me tell you people don't like to look at their speeches okay <laughs> i know i <laughs> hate the most it painful thing that we can do but when you do it that's the thing that allows you to grow like we, exactly. you can't you can't grow what you don't know 
love it I, I yeah, you cannot that. yeah so that, i love that i have like 1500 hours of video of me speaking and i have uh, just to just to prove that it never gets any easier charles yeah. i every time i watch myself speak i my body has a physical reaction and my eyes start to water <laughs> like it's so sad it, it's a real problem i have yeah. so yeah you it's it's so important that that I do it that I, I do it within 24 hours of every speaking gig. I will watch it back. Yep. I take some notes about what the problems are, what's not working, why didn't that joke land? And then I spend a week just working on one minute mm-hmm. of that speech to make it better. So or five minutes of that speech to make it better. I, I think you gotta be in a certain space to do that. What do you do? What's the method that you use? In order to hit that submit button and or press press play, so that you're not being um, overcritical or you know or I, I would say negative about yourself, but more so giving yourself constructive criticism. Well, I think it comes from doing it over and over again, right? Like um, I, I like I'm at the point at which when I hit play. I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking at myself going, man, like you should use, lose some weight, you know, which is what I did when I first watched them. I would say like, oh man, is that what I look like? Like yeah. I got to do some push-ups. Like, uh, <laughs> I remember the first time I opened up one of these videos from an old event, I was wearing a suit I had bought in Copenhagen like two years ago and the buttons were like working really hard trying to keep my gut in. And I was like, I got to get a new suit. Like once you get over right. looking at yourself, you start looking at what the value you're providing. And here's the other tip. I, I, I alternate between recording the, the, the audience. So I, I put a camera up and just, it just records the audience. And, and then the next gig, I'll put the camera up and I'll, I'll record myself. And when I'm recording the audience, it's great because I'm looking at their reaction to what I know I'm doing on stage. Yeah. And when a, when a joke doesn't land, you know, it's really helpful. I'm like, oh, that woman found it funny. This woman didn't find it funny. I wonder what's wrong with this joke. Or it, it maybe uh, might be a cultural thing too. Like I, I, I noticed too. I am more attractive up north. Like <laughs> people, people love to book me up north for some reason. Like I, especially during the COVID, like especially during this pandemic. Virtually, I'm getting booked. Canada, you know, I'm getting watched. Like, like why is everybody booking me up there? I, I don't know if it's like a, a cultural thing, you know, based off your location. People are attracted to certain speakers, but that I'm curious to know. Like for you, are are your jokes? landing at different regions of, of the world or is it well that you gotta change? yeah no it's something well uh like the, the majority of my gigs are are domestic gigs like i would consider that like north american gigs um yeah. with the exception of mexico um i do like one event in mexico every year maybe two mm-hmm. um so you know as long as i know the jokes work for a North American audience, I, I stick with them. But when I'm speaking internationally, I, I cut the jokes. I, I cut most of them mm. um, because there's, especially if it's an audience where it's going to be like like asynchronous or synchronous translation, yeah. it, the jokes just don't work anymore for me. <laughs> so I have to I have to cut them. But but I, I I'd be surprised. I think one of the reasons you're finding yourself booked in the same areas is because you probably got a referable speech that people are referring to other people they know in that area, mm-hmm. not just because they like you. Yeah. It's just 
you know, they're, they're friends with friends nearby. And that's one of the big reasons, you know, you're finding yourself booked that way mm-hmm. because without the, we, I, they're called stage side leads in my world. Like you got to kind of end every event with this expectation that you're going to get three or four more yeah. leads from the performance you delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what builds a sustainable business for me. Yeah. If, if you could talk to one speaker like that, you respect in the game, who would that speaker be? And what question would you ask them? Oh, I get this one a lot. Um, it would it would probably be Tony Rob- Tony Robbins. Okay. Um, and I know a lot of people kind of frown on that kind of <laughs> enterprise and stuff, but I've, I've I'm in you know I've seen what he's built, and I'm I, I'm I certainly kind of admire his ability to read an audience and deliver a message that empowers people to change their lives, yeah. and I think. I think dismissing that is is easy, uh, but we should all try to learn something from people like that, and and you know put those insights to good use and change the world in, in new and exciting ways. So you know I don't know what I'd ask Tony Robbins. That's kind of a, that's kind of a tough one. I ha- yeah, yeah. I would probably um I I yeah I don't know. I appreciate that question. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll think know, about it. E- email me later. I, I can post it. In- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. You can post it in the blog post in, in the comments. I'll They're think about it. They're waiting on Andrew's question. What would that <laughs> yeah. <question> be? You know? <laughs> cool, man. You know, I, I really enjoyed today's podcast. But before we go, let the Throughout yeah. Tribe know, where can we find Andrew? Yeah, sure. You can find me. My website is akadrewdavis.com and my email address is at the very bottom of the page. So if you have a question, email me. My phone number's there. Give me a call. Uh, I'm on Instagram fairly often and LinkedIn. So just search for me on either of those, Andrew Davis. Um, I'm at Drew Davis here on both platforms, I think. Uh, and um, yeah, those are probably the best ways to reach out to me. And yeah, that's that, let's start there. Let's do it. (laughs) 